as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Camino Aleman Jr. is the director for the new Economic Development Office for Cameron County. Well, congratulations on the new appointment, all the new homework. So that means that all efforts at San Benito, right, you leave that aside, right? Or will you be doing both, I mean, both San Benito and Cameron County? Well, good good morning, Sergio. Thank you for for inviting me on your yeah, show. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope you and your listeners are doing well on this cool Monday morning. Um, so yeah, um, uh, so now I'm I am uh, the economic development director in Cameron County. Um, so so yeah, I'm I'm no longer in San Benito, but okay. you know the the beauty of this of this position is that I can support the economic development corporations that are in Cameron County, right? So I want to be able to support them, but I also want to be able to assist those smaller communities to make sure that they also have an opportunity at those leads that come in, you know, um, and I can help add them to the process as well. So, so that's kind of where, where we're at right now. It'd be really nice to see efforts. If we could blend the efforts of, of everyone, I know Brownsville right now, they're shifting gears on the economic development entities. They, they want to consolidate that into one. Uh, that, that's what Brownsville Harlingen is pushing forward. They, they've got lots of work as well. Of course, San Benito, everybody else, but with all the, the promise of prosperity from, and most of that initiating at the port, Port of Brownsville with LNG nearby, Elon Musk, what he's doing and expanding. There's so much opportunity in, in Cameron County. How do you see your office involved in maybe, I don't know, unifying that to solve some, what's it, the, the most common question is workforce, trying to make sure that we get enough people uh, to fill those, all those positions that are coming to the area. Right, you know, so so you, you hit it right on the head, right? Cameron County is experiencing tremendous growth right now. As a matter of fact, uh, work, recent workforce solutions statistics show that the growth in the manufacturing sector in the valley is happening in Cameron County. Yeah. So um, the commissioner court decided to create a standalone economic development corporation, and um, you know that's one of the things that obviously the three pillars in economic development is job um, is is um, job recruitment, right? To, to uh, company recruits, also um, retention, and the third pillar is workforce development. So we're working definitely with all the educational institutions, with um, the the A and M manufacturing center at the port. Okay, you know we're working with everybody to to try and you know develop that workforce that we need because you're right. I mean, just just a couple of those projects, they're going to need you know upwards of six thousand folks to come in and develop these for over six years. So yeah. um, you know that's only a challenge, but we're here to to help guide through the, those, uh, those efforts. From Cameron County, Ramiro Aleman Jr. will be director of the new Economic Development Office at Cameron County. Yeah, Ramiro, Tim Sullivan here. The focus on, in Brownsville, of course, as Serge alluded to, the big companies, SpaceX and LNG. Uh, you mentioned at the outset of the interview here that you're also, your intent is to also help, you know, the smaller businesses bring in new ones, help the existing ones. What types of businesses are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, businesses that are, uh, you know, that, that can help out SpaceX and LNG or businesses, just small businesses in general? Yeah, so we're, we're talking, you know, all, all types of businesses, you know, mainly those, those businesses that, that create high-paying, high-skilled jobs, right, those in the manufacturing sector. But with those comes the opportunity for suppliers, you know, so we want to talk to the suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know the great opportunities there are in Brownsville and Harlingen and San Benito. But Cameron County is more than, than the largest cities. You know, there's also opportunities in the surrounding more rural areas. You know, the, there's big tracts of land out there. So, um, you know, those are the type of companies that, that we, want to take a, we want to take a look at here 
and be able to give the whole county an opportunity to, you know, to work with those projects and, and perhaps land one. So Cameron County and Hidalgo County now each have their own economic development directors, their own economic development uh, offices. Uh, offices. Yeah. Um, and the cities have their own individual offices as well. Uh, we have the Rio Grande Valley Partnership that's working to bring everybody together. Is that your intent, too? Do you, do you plan on communicating with your counterpart in Hidalgo County, your counterparts in, in the various cities across the valley? Um, well, yes. So I want to start, obviously, with, with the, the folks in Cameron County. I want to help those communities that don't have a dedicated full-time economic developer, right? So I want to okay. be able to guide them. I've already spoken to a couple of them, um, you know, and they are working projects. And, you know, I can help guide them through the process because that, they don't do this you know, a, a lot of the time. So I can help that into the process. Uh, but of course, you know, I was, I was, uh, the vice president of rest tech when it was around. So that was a value wide entity. I'm very, I'm very involved with Daniel Sylvia and the partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm working real closely with the low real grand Valley development council, the cog on some pace projects. So yeah, I'm mean, definitely regionalism is a, is a huge part of, of what we want to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's part of the goal is to, is to you know, keep, keep contact with, with everybody throughout the valley. Ramiro Aleman Jr. is the director for the new Economic Development Office for Cameron County. Are you up and running, Ramiro, or is, or is the start date for that new office around the corner? No, no, no. We're, I've been on the job for about a month now. Okay. And uh, it's been very exciting. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot going on right now that I have to kind of, you know, get, get on top of. But also, got to make sure that nothing falls through the cracks, right? None of the projects that we are working on. So, From, I mean, we're 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 uh, we're definitely it's definitely busy. It's a busy time in Cameron County. A lot of activity, and you know, it, it's it's important to know that we have you know there's several different advantages that Cameron County has. You know, the three airports, three maritime ports, Class A rail, the interstate access. You know, natural gas coming through coming from the north down here, and of course, everybody knows the spaceport. So we've got all the transportation needs covered. And, you know, that's, that's really what's, what's bringing all the attention to Cameron County right now. From the county perspective that you will be leading that office, uh, will this help to um, simplify or maybe fast track, I don't know, incentives, maybe tax abatements or coordination with the state of Texas to get some incentives from, from Austin to, to get some new industry or complementary industry to the port or anywhere else in the county? Right. So, so there, there are different tools in our toolbox, right? So the county has certain tools, the, the EDCs have certain tools, and the, the, obviously the state has some incentives as well. So, um, you know, my advantage is that I'm, I've been lucky enough, fortunate enough to be able to work on all three um, sides of it. So my, my goal, right, is to find those funding mechanisms to bring, uh, to bring projects, to bring development to Cameron County, whether it be, like you said, tax abatements, uh, there are also tax increment reinvestment zones, but also, you know, working with the EDCs for, you know, job creation grants, work with the cities for, you know, 380 agreements, and even with the state. I mean, um, you know, we're working with through the state on some, on some um, you know, uh, skills development fund grants, perhaps, you know, those kind of things, training mm-hmm. grants. So, so definitely, definitely um, looking for all types of, of um, uh, funding mechanisms, incentives, to bring more prosperity to Cameron County. So, um, you know, that's what we're working on. If you were given the power to solve one issue, like right now, to make uh, either company retention or recruitment much easier for um, all of us in South Texas, I'll give you an example. Over here in the McAllen area, this is McAllen specific, but and I know that there's some investors that are working toward it. They, they're, they're trying to increase the amount of square footage available, like ready to go, turnkey, let's go, open up, because they, so many folks keep saying that there's so much industry coming back from Asia, from China, coming back to Mexico, coming up uh, to the U.S., and some of it going to Houston or San Antonio because they got all this square foot square footage. Others would say, no, we need a new pipeline of training, and we got to use the, the high schools for that, for basic skills of construction and uh, electrical work and pipe fitting, all that stuff. What is the one thing that you'd fix right now to make job uh, job and business recruitment and retention easier for all EDC offices in South Texas? 
Right. So, so yeah, I think I think the uh, the availability of space is a problem everywhere, right? So we all have that same problem. But I mean, I think the one thing that we need is workforce development. That's what we need. We need to work, you know, with industry to work with the local higher educational institutions and even the high school. You're right, even the high schools to be able to train for those jobs that are going to be needed. Right. Yeah. And so workforce training, I'd say, is the number one issue of if a company doesn't have folks that are going to work, then they're not going to come here. That's that's the bottom line. You can always build the building, but creating that pipeline of workforce, um, that's that's yeah. a little bit more difficult. And that's something that we're we're definitely working on. We're constant contact with the folks at, at Texas Southwest College, TSTC, and even at the high school levels. and and uh All others, right. so right. Keep, so yeah keep that's the mind. main issue we're working through that uh, thank thank you ramiro and best of luck and continued success we we hope for the best in 2024 for you and the crew that's ramiro aleman jr the new director for economic development efforts at cameron county As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. One of the big news stories of late in the energy sector was the Biden administration announcing that they would be pressing the pause button on certain liquefied natural gas projects and I would imagine that at the Port of Brazil where they landed an $18.5 billion LNG export facility working on constructing that. That might make a few folks nervous. So let's get an update from somebody who's keeping tabs on this. Our interim director at the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brazil is William Dietrich. Chief, I appreciate your time today. Could you please define for all working people tuning in right now, what is it that the Biden administration is pausing. What is your understanding of this policy? Yeah, good morning, Sergio. Um, specifically under this pause, there will be no free trade or non-free trade agreement authorizations issued to uh, LNG facilities. Uh, fortunately, Texas and Rio Grande Valley LNG secured their free trade and non-free trade agreements before the pause. Okay. So that second the second um, LNG project, the, the much smaller one, we, we've got that big $18.5 billion one, then we've got another like $3 billion one that we're waiting final investment decision from for the Port of Brownsville. Is that one also under a safety of, of the umbrella that having come in under the radar? Uh, yes, sir, they are. They, they, uh, they obtained their free trade uh, uh, agreements before the, the pause came in. What can you tell me about Bechtel, the big hiring firm and uh, how hard they're working right now to bring in folks to build this big facility, this big LNG facility right now. Yeah, Bechtel continues to move forward. Um, the site out there is very busy. Um, there's no doubt that you can see the transformation going on, and daily you can see changes um, uh, to the landscape. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing. How many people do they need to hire here, Chief? Right now, there are about 700, close to 800 personnel that are working out there. By this time next year, there should be about 5,000 people yes. working yeah. on site. That's a, You think the majority of the, all those folks, Bechtel will need to bring in from other, other places, right? Corpus, Houston, other places, maybe hopefully a bunch of Valley people. Uh, yes, you know, the, the initial projections were that 30% would come, 30 35% would come locally and the rest from the outside. But fortunately, what we're seeing is a, is a different trend where a lot of people who were from the Valley are now back in the Valley taking mm -hmm. advantage of this opportunity. Are they going to be working? Folks from the Valley, like at the colleges, Texas Southmost, uh, I know A&M's working to help train some people as well. 
can will they be working the the new ones here in the valley? Will they be working side by side with with top experts, veterans in the LNG construction field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's no doubt there's going to be a big outreach as it pertains to uh, workforce enhancement. So definitely there's going to be a lot of angles for people to come in and take opportunity of this. Interim Port Director of Rio Grande Valley Port of Brazil, William Dietrich, joining us right now. Let me go back to the pause of the Biden administration for some of these LNG export licenses. If it holds, if, and that remains to be seen, because he's got maybe a year left in his administration or maybe five years left in his administration. It all depends what happens with his policy. If it does happen, we get the new LNG plant up and running in several years. Might that mean more business for the Brownsville facility or will any new contracts be be subject to the same rules where they can't pick up the business that was affected at the competition down the street because there's of, of no new no new contracts for export. No, absolutely, Sergio. Um, to give you a uh, you know a, a unique example or an exact example is Texas LNG has reported that this pause has resulted in in more inquiries from prospective offtakers who are maybe depending on future LNG facilities who do not have this FTA or non-FTA authorization. The this pause does not affect the volume of LNG to be export on the present contracts, right? Or are they limited? Okay, there we go. So I think you were saying, so they're calling, instead of sending me 10 million metric tons, send me 20 million, something like that. Well, they're trying to make up the difference and maybe store it overseas, I suspect, right? Well, you know, the the set amounts that they can produce are already established, but the the most important thing is finding off-takers for the product itself. So... As it relates to Texas LNG, um, they are they are now getting you know numerous inquiries from other com- other countries, other companies that are wanting to buy uh, their LNG in comparison to before, where it was maybe a little slower. William Dietrich is the interim port director at the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Are you seeing the phone ring for um, complementary industry, either in raw materials, building materials, maybe other type of services? that are asking to set up shop at the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville in order to complement and feed into the this massive LNG project that is ramping up at the port? Yeah, I guess we're seeing the movement, definitely. Uh, we're seeing a lot of raw materials, aggregate, limestone, and a lot of local trucking companies. When I mean local, I'm talking valley-wide. Uh, trucking companies that are taking advantage of this opportunity, moving aggregate from around the valley to the Bechtel site. I perceive that the project moves forward and gets more complex. You're going to start seeing some of that complementary industry come down here, and 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 build you know build a facility and to be able to to service the um, LNG plant. Part of what needs to move, just borrowing your word on that, is some of the silt, some of the uh, soil uh, deep uh, underwater. The the dredging. Can you give us an update on what's taking place with the dredging? I know it's a it's a long uh, channel that needs to be dredged in order to allow for bigger ships sometime in the future. So, what's the status on that? Well, we had we had a meeting yesterday with the Army Corps of Engineers, and it went very well. Um, now, the BIH project, the the channel deepening project, is is broken down into two phases. First phase is being executed by Great Lakes Dredge and Dock Company. Now that starts from the western terminus of Next Decade Project, which is Rio Grande LNG, all the way to the beginning of the channel itself. Now phase two will begin from the entrance all the way down to the turning basin. Now phase one, there's already a company that's already been contracted to to take care of this part of it, which is Great Lakes Dredge and Dock Company. Now phase two, they're opening up bids either this week or next week, and we should have we should be beginning the, the, the channel deepening project by the end of March or beginning of April. And it's important to note that this, you know, phase one, phase two are going to be done concurrently. Can you tell working folks right now the type of jobs that are the low-hanging fruit, the easily attainable jobs? Bechtel is, we were told by Workforce a few days back that they have job fairs in Cameron County and Hidalgo County. They're trying to sop up as much talent locally, get it out there and start build that 
big liquefied natural gas facility. What, what type of jobs are we looking at? Just what comes to mind? You know, one of the things that, you know, what I've spoken with them and, and what they've uh, relayed to me is, you know, heavy machinery operators, uh, pipe fitting, some of the more complicated trades like that, welding, and, and uh, you know, them types of professions. Them are going to be the ones that are needed the most. And check with Bechtel online or maybe Texas Workforce to see if there's some a listing of those jobs that they could apply for right now, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Bechtel has a pretty pretty comprehensive site, and you can go online and you can look at all the job openings all that right. they have right now. Good luck, Mr. D. I know it's a big project there at the port, and it's changing the landscape, and we wish you success. We'll, we'll stay updated here with you pretty soon. That's William Dietrich. He's the interim director, Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Talk Station, News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. And we welcome back our commissioner for Precinct 1 in Hidalgo County. I know that flood control issues are always on his mind since he lives in the central portion of the county has to cover areas Westlico near Westlico as well. David Fuentes, our commissioner for Precinct One, joining us. We'll get a status report on some of the projects up to date and coming up in 2024. Dave, it, it's not lost on me the fact that it's almost laughable. We talked about flood control at the time. We're so bone dry right now and kind of in trouble when it comes to no rain and our growers are not getting the water that they need at the watershed. We're in trouble with the watershed, but we still need to do this. Got to control that because as soon as we get a gully washer, uh, man, we're we get in trouble in the Mid Valley. I know there's a project nearby. Eli Torres had something nearby, so maybe give us that project and and what you see is is taking place right now in near future. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And yes, you're right. I mean, the the time to work on drainage is when we don't actually need it. Uh, so this is a perfect time for us to continue our efforts to try to make sure we mitigate future future problems. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Ellie Torres, the drainage district number one. Um, roughly a $7 million project, four miles of expansion along the main drain. Uh, those types of projects make a big difference because they're the main channels that get all these uh, smaller streets and other outfalls uh, clear of, of water. Uh, so that it's a great, uh, those expansions tend to really act more like detention facilities as water continues to flow out. Uh, so it's just a way to get water out quickly. Uh, out of neighborhoods and protect uh, property mostly. Uh, but yes, all of our projects seem to be uh, advancing. Uh, if you look at our agendas over the last few months, you've seen a lot of engineering uh, contracts going out because of the expanded efforts that our drainage district has to put out there. We do a lot of things in-house like this particular project, and most of the projects along the main drain were designed internally by our drainage district. So that really helped advance these projects quickly. And some of the local projects, like within our precincts, were assigned to different engineers uh, simply because of the workload. It allows us to really get these projects in the ground a lot faster. David Fuentes, Commissioner for Precinct 1, joining us on KURV. Yeah, Commissioner Tim Sullivan here. Expand on that if you could. I, I guess my question is, Is do, do these flood control projects in Precinct 4, do they connect to the projects that you know, you've worked on and continue to work on in Precinct 1? Do you communicate uh, do you work with uh, Commissioner uh, Torres to, you know, connect all of these flood control projects together for one major accomplishment? So, so everything is coordinated through their drainage district, and they use the, the master plan uh, for the entire system. Mm. Uh, we design projects and, and pick projects locally based on what we anticipate or know the needs are, you know, whether we're most vulnerable in an area. And then uh, we see how it fits within the main system and, they, and the drainage district kind of coordinates that. I think where the, the commissioners work a lot uh, to, more together is when the project impacts both of us directly. Yeah. Um, because indirectly the drainage district will coordinate that. 
but there are, you know, these main drain projects are those types of projects uh, where we, we discuss them. Uh, the local precinct commissioner will take the lead on it, uh, but there's always courtesies, uh, professional courtesies extended about what's going on, how it's going to impact, because that may, that may trigger some new ideas or it may trigger uh, us to do a project that also, uh, you know, coordinates with it or collaborates with it, will enhance it to some extent. Um, and there may be some local knowledge that we need to share in order to make it a little bit better project. There's been a couple of different uh, bond elections over the past few years for Hidalgo County. Um, a lot of money uh, being approved by voters for uh, a number of big drainage projects. Can you give an update on how much money is still available and status report on some of the big projects, the Raymondville drain, for instance, uh, you mentioned the main drain. Where do things stand? So all of our projects are advancing. And, and the one thing that I will qualify is that, you know, we want to try to hurry these projects and put them into the ground. You know, the sooner we get them, the more, the, the more likelihood that they'll have a bigger and, and more impactful uh, project uh, locally. Mm -hmm. The thing that we're doing, though, is we're also trying to leverage these dollars because every time we approve a bond, you know, we can leverage that against state and federal monies that might be available for mitigation or disaster recovery. For example, the the 2018 uh, disaster recovery monies that were available from the general land office yeah. at the state level. Uh, the, and 2019, and, and, uh, for that all, matter. Correct. 2018 was very specific to Hidalgo County which means that all of the drainage district and all of our local governments uh, basically were just uh, competing against each other uh, for a pot of money. We weren't competing against other counties in the state. So there was $17 million available. We encouraged our cities. We assisted our cities in applying for that. It was $1 million um, cap on it. But when you, when you do that together and you do that within cities along a main drain, you can take a $10 million project and fund it with additional monies from the state where we can take, maybe back off, you know, the monies that we originally assigned through the bond and create a new project. So those $1 million add up, you know, I think in, in the Ed Couch Health area, we were able to get $2 million. Um, so a, a $10 million project now becomes eight uh, because we can use those GLO monies. And now we've created a $2 million project that didn't exist before somewhere else. So uh, we're, we're always mindful of that because we want to try to really make a big impact with the monies we have. Uh, but that, that was part of our approach. So all of the projects right now are advancing, uh, with the exception of a couple that we plan on applying for some state and federal funds. How many would you say are, are running right now? Our, our guest is Precinct 1 Commissioner David Fuentes, Hidalgo County. We're talking about drainage projects that are top of mind right now. Weather's dry, and this, time, this is the time to work all those projects, try to improve in the event we get a gully washer in the future. So how, how many do we have? They're in motion. Half dozen, dozen, two dozen. How many do we have countywide? Do you know, Dave? So in the 2023 bond, we had about 25 projects that were identified, and many of them were along the main drain. And then each of the precincts had about $20 million that they could uh, try to we, – we already knew more or less what, where our biggest needs were and projects that had already been identified. So I think everything is advancing pretty quickly. I think a lot of engineers are already assigned – I'm doing a, a round uh, this next week and assigning a couple. And, and some of that is, again, because we're trying to just plan accordingly. Yeah. Well, but overall, I think all of them are advancing. Sure. And with all this talk in the last legislative session or multiple sessions that they had, so much talk about, yeah, we got all, we're awash with money. We got all this extra cash. We got a big surplus. Well, did lawmakers up in Texas allocate a little extra? Because I know we're always competing with Houston, for example. Metro Houston <laughs> continues to sink, Galveston as well. Uh, we're always competing with, with folks on the, on, on the coast to get some flood mitigation money. So did lawmakers allocate a little extra somewhere that you can tap into, maybe get us a little closer to optimum? Yeah, so back uh, a couple of legislative sessions ago, they created the Flood Infrastructure Funding Program, uh, and that was the initial round of com competition that was made available not just for designs and studies, but also for construction. And and we at the at the county level, within Precinct 1, we applied for a, about $32 million dollars uh, in flood infrastructure construction money. We got uh, $22 million roughly in uh, zero-interest uh, loans, and then we got about $10 million in grants. So it, it, it's 
that 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 is uh, coordinated and administered by the by the Texas Water Development Board. Okay. And uh, this this legislative session, they assigned another six hundred million uh, to the same project. So that's the one where we may apply for a twenty five thirty million go. dollar uh, project and see if we can get again lower interest and maybe even some grant money. So in essence, six hundred million dollars was what that's what they put into the the flood control piggy bank for you to try to access in with the, new, yeah. more grant writing. Okay, at the state level, and that, that becomes competitive within sure. the state. You bet, and. Uh, Westlaco, of course, they, they got their own flooding problems, and I know that's in your backyard. Are they complementing efforts? What do you know? Um, I know it's, it's for the city, but new pipe, new deep parks that can, could serve as retention ponds. What, what, real quickly, what, what can you tell us about how they're helping out? Proud of a lot of our cities in Hidalgo County uh, that, that passed bond uh, issuances for, for drainage projects. A lot of them are channel expansions detention facilities there in, in the city of Wessico they collaborated with the Wessico ISD and used some school district property to create a detention facility it reduces on land costs it just allows our money to go a lot further so I'm proud of all of our communities uh, expanding their efforts to try to protect their their their, uh, their residents all right Dave um, best of luck success in 2024 thank you for joining us our commissioner for precinct one Hidalgo County David Fuentes As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. I found out yesterday from some folks, leaders in local education, folks, some of them breathing a sigh of, sigh of relief uh, hearing from the UIL, the realignment of these districts. Uh, they're watching the, the gas and the diesel expense for their, their buses. How far will we need to send our kids for some of these sports and, and arts competitions? Well, good news. It seems that the in the Rio Grande Valley local schools will stay mostly here. They... They won't need to drive to Laredo. That's really good news as far as the diesel and, and gas expense. Uh, looking at all this from the Eagles Perch over at Region 1 Education Services is the president, former um, school district superintendent for PSJA, Dr. Dan King. want to get your thoughts real quick on this, uh, Dr. King, on how Valley schools um, mercifully will be allowed to stay mostly in the Valley to do the competitions and save a lot on gas expense. Yes, it's it's uh, it did come out that you know it pretty much eliminated required you know travel for district games to Laredo. Um, the six A districts are really uh, you know compact with one of them being in the uh, basically in Cameron County and the other one being in Hidalgo County. Now in five A, there's uh, there's a little more uh, travel. Um, for some of the for 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 some of the schools, um, so uh, the PSJ North and Memorial, Westaco East and Brownsville Rivera, they'll and Donna the Donna schools they'll be with uh, Corpus Christi Flower Bluff and Corpus Christi Veterans in their district. So they'll be doing a little bit of uh, travel to uh, to Corpus, yeah. uh, and then uh, I think similarly in. Uh, in 4A, um, Hidalgo and Valley View will also be uh, have some uh, a couple of corpus area schools in their uh, district in football. Yeah, and uh, so there's there's some, and then now when you get down to the 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 little schools, travel is always a, a challenge. A lot of times the UIL makes those districts. There's usually less schools in those districts, but sometimes those. Uh, we've got a couple of our, uh, I think, Santa Maria and some of those that uh, 
that include uh, like Three Rivers or George West up that way in their in yeah. their uh, in their district. Yeah. But by and large, it came out more compact. Do you and for the bigger schools, Dr. King, like six uh, the six A five A, how big is six A? Uh, is that the top threshold and what happens to a school that's bigger than the top threshold? Does it need to be split into two, or I mean, what are the rules uh, in Texas? So there's no there's no cap. So there's um, there's there's minimum uh, there's minimum sizes, and every year they they uh, every year they kind of recalibrate those, and they they don't usually change very much, but they adjust it by. Um, it, they they need a certain number of schools that they kind of start with the six A and work down. They need a certain number of schools uh, per district to kind of make playoffs and everything else work out. So for sure. this year, six uh, A is anybody with two thousand two hundred and seventy five students or more, okay. and there's no ceiling. That's up about fifty students from um, um, from the prior year, uh, and uh, and so it, it kind of goes down like that. Like five uh, A is. 1,315 up to up to the 6A size and so forth. And yeah. the, the low, the smallest, the 1A, is below 105 students in the high school. Okay, is there has there ever been a call to consolidate, absorb some of the smaller districts to, into the bigger districts? After you're looking at unnecessary, potentially unnecessary administrative expense, um, travel expense, yeah. all those things that are needlessly duplicated well, and there was, should be brought into I, the city. I would say back in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of push for that. And in reality, we've really gone the other direction. Because mm. If you look at these districts, uh, a lot now more of the small schools are charter schools. And so, uh, in the, especially in the 2A, 3A, 4A ranks. So we actually have, um, you know, we've had it with charters, we've had a growth of small schools in, in, uh, in UIL. So whereas we used to have a push for consolidation, now there's more of a push for choice. And so there's actually, you know, more, you know, and that goes into athletics as well. So there's actually more uh, schools, not as many of them are in football, but so much, but more so in, let's say, the other, um, you know, in the other sports. What they have done over the years is, um, you know, back when I was in high school, uh, there was like class B to class 4A. And I got, I think they got rid of the B cause it sounds inferior. <laughs> and then they went from one A to five A and, uh, and eventually they added a six A and now they've in football, they now have, uh, like, uh, at two, at two A, three A, four A, five A, they have like a division one and division two to even further try to, uh, more closely match, um, schools of similar, um, of, of similar size. Now, once you get to 6A and above, once you get to 6A, there's no division. So there are some high schools around the state that have um, 5,000 or so students. Uh, and most 6A schools have, let's say, 2,400 to, you know, to 3,000 students. But there's a, there's a few uh, around the state that do have uh, 5,000 or so students. Um, well, wow. that's, that's, that's a different challenge because also you leave out a lot of, you yeah. might have, you might miss talented kids <laughs> when it's that big. You might not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone might not even join up because yeah. of the numbers. No. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go back to that same question. Has there ever been a push? Dr. Dan King from region one, he's the leader at the region one education services that, you know, from the Eagles perch, he tends to see what's going on here in, in deep South Texas. Um, you know, and back then, by the way, when you went to school, I mean, and I know why these superintendents were nervously watching some of them. They were looking at the diesel expense and the gas expense for the long travels to Laredo, which, again, mercifully, no trips to Laredo for Valley schools. Right. A few of them have will need to go to Corpus Christi. Still, that's pretty long and for being a smaller district. That's pretty expensive. But uh, on the upper end, has there ever been an argument to split up a school that has like 5,000 kids and you never know, we might get there someday the way we're yeah. growing right now, 10, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And there actually, you know, there was a time, you know, in the Valley when uh, Brownsville, Hannah way years ago, PSJ high before they split, um, you know, we're pushing up in that kind of territory, um, even La Jolla before they split. Um, and, uh, 
so we have actually had some of that um, in the valley. Brownsville being the first one when there was only one Brownsville high school, um, they were they were huge. They ran split schedules. PSJ used to run split schedules. Um, uh, and where some of the students came in the morning and half the students came in the afternoon. So did Brownsville. This is going back to the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, so we have had that. Now in 2014, so the UIO has no regulatory authority over the size of schools. Uh, they, they only control sports. And really nobody um, regulates the size of, uh, the, the, the size yeah. of schools. That's really right. local community. But in 2014, they created 6A for that very uh uh they created 6a for that very reason that um uh, just sure. trying to uh, you just create one more division for the bigger schools there's been talk here and there there's been a talk of like a super 6a for the schools you're talking about yeah the problem is those like four or five thousand student schools are so spread around the state they would have tremendous travel um if they made a super 6a or whatever La Jolla ISD and outside folks that are managing now. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Give you a minute. Yes, um, I mean it's been underway for, a, for you know for a good while. So um, TEA uh, came in yesterday um, uh, with new superintendent, and at 8 a.m. they announced the new board and and uh, the new superintendent. Um, uh, you know, appeared there at the district and um, and the you know long suspected and ex really expected in a way takeover, you know, occurred yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's, uh, you know, the TA's, uh, goal is to create, um, you know, create stability there, create traction, um, obviously deal with, uh, uh, what kind of policies and procedures to put in place for, you know, uh, corruption issues that have happened in the past and then uh, get the district stabilized and on a really strong path. And as the community, uh, they, they appear to be, have been well received in the community. And as they move forward, then the commissioner's goal would be to gradually, um, at some point, a few years down the road, begin to gradually um, phase in uh, elected board members and, uh, you know, return the control of the district um, the local uh, to the community. All right. Yes. Thank you, Dr. King. From Region yes. 1 Education Services, Dr. Dan King. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Let's go to City Hall, Donna, Texas. Our new mayor, David Moreno. Mayor, introduce yourself to some folks that may not be familiar with some of your work in the community. So tell us about um, what you do for a living and, and of course, um, your work now at City Hall in Donna. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm newly elected mayor. I was commissioner for three uh, three years uh, prior to this, to, to this through this election. Uh, I'm a proud son of Donna, Texas. Uh, I've been a longtime resident here, uh, born and raised here, 55 years. Um, I've worked for the school district for uh, 34 years, okay. and uh, now taking on this uh, this new position as, as mayor here with with our uh, two new councilmen and the two uh, uh, sitting councilmen that that have been there. Uh, we've um, already, uh, I think, made an impact in the sense that uh, uh, we're starting a new project in which uh, we've allocated uh, about 2.5 million to uh, repave streets. Uh, we're going to repave about 25 miles uh, of streets inside the city of Donna, something that uh, is, is historic, has never been done before. Uh, we've also allocated about $3 million for, uh, to uh, upgrade the, our parks and so forth. So it's about, you know, making Donna a destination. Uh, I mean, we're off to, to, to a great start. 
and a lot of retail and businesses arriving. It's like, like the entire area, right? We're all growing by leaps and bounds. It's amazing to see all this opportunity and investment. Uh, Donna, of course, having bridge, an international bridge nearby. Uh, give us a quick update from your perspective and new leadership at City Hall. What's the plan as far as maybe expanding operations, reviewing that? Uh, let's go commercial at Donna. What do you say, Mayor? Well, uh, when it comes to the bridge, you know, uh, we have a, we're motivated, uh, we're encouraged about, uh, you know, the outlook uh, of the bridge and so forth. We've had many contacts with uh, officials from from, uh, from Mexico. Uh, we've gotten uh, great help from uh, uh, CBP uh, Port Director, Mr. Walter Weaver and so forth. But uh, we're looking at uh, the northbound. Uh, commercial side of the bridge that we want to, to develop over there, which is going to be a, of a great benefit uh, uh, to the city of Donna when it comes to uh, revenue and so forth. Uh, we have, uh, under the former uh, mayor, uh, we had a uh, bridge revenue bonds that, that uh, we were looking at, but we're a little bit worried about, you know, the financial structure of it and so forth. So uh, with this new uh City Council, we've gone back and we're looking at different uh, options that we can have that'll be, a, a you know, a little bit uh, cheaper, you can say, as far mm-hmm. as when it comes to the financing part of it. We're looking at uh, general obligation bonds and so forth. We might uh, take this up to vote for the community to come out and, and vote, support it. We're going to have uh, plenty of meetings, informational meetings for our, for our public that are not too up to date on what is happening there at the bridge, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something great for Donna. David Moreno is our new mayor for Donna. Yeah, Mayor Moreno, Tim Sullivan here. Talk more about that uh, decision to, to pull back a bit on the expansion plans for the Donna-Rio Bravo Bridge. It was one of the new council's first decisions. I understand a lot of people were taken aback by that, but, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the council had some big concerns about the funding, you know, where the money is coming from and, and a lack of transparency related to that, correct? Yes. Uh, good morning, Mr. Sullivan. Yes, uh, coming in uh, new, it's always, uh, it's always been about uh, transparency, accountability, and progress. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to, uh, some people said when we pause, uh, you know, the, the uh the plan to move forward with the with the financing of the bridge. They said, no, because you all are against the bridge. And they said, no, it's not about that. It's about getting all the information, making sure we have the best deal here for this community. Uh, you know, and then we brought in, apart from me moving up to mayor, we have two new city councilmen. So uh, I think that played a big part as well because we, you know, we, we want them to be up to date on what is going on from the very beginning to the very end of that uh, project. We wanted them to, to be up to date. They owe it to their constituency. When when it comes to them uh, being asked questions about it, uh, I didn't feel it was right for them to uh, go with the plan that we had at first uh, because they, they really didn't know much about it. But I think uh, we've, we've been working great together, this new council and so forth, and I think, uh, you know, we, we're, we're taking strides in, in making Donna, making best decisions, what is in the best interest of this community. But then the other concern, you know, related to that is that this proposed expansion uh, needs to get going. Uh, Any delays might slow trade and commerce as the valley becomes an even busier crossing point for food and other products. How long might this delay last? Oh, this this delay is not going to take, it's not going to take very long, but I think if we can save anywhere from 15 to 20 million uh, by waiting two or three months, uh, with a different way of financing it, I think it's worth it. And I think it's, it's, it's a better decision for this community. Price so uh, it, it, we're not, we're not going to wait uh, years or anything like that. It's something that's coming up already. We're working hard, uh, all our city councilmen, myself, our city manager working hard to get this done. What would be the priority areas for Donna, Mayor, from City Hall's perspective when it comes to growth, potential new neighborhoods, more commercial construction, where do you see Donna growing over the next couple of years? Well, right right now, of course, we want to expand. Once the bridge, uh, uh, you know, we start uh, uh, the construction of the bridge over here, of course, we, we want to 
uh, we want to build uh, towards the south, South 193, that okay. area. Uh, we've, we've gotten into uh, into talks already with with uh, Mr. Rhodes, who owns a lot of the property over there. South, Excellent. South of 493. Yeah. He's a visionary. He's a he's a dynamic man, a dynamic man that's ready to to invest in that area over there. We also got the shops on 493. In fact, I invite both of you. We have a, a ribbon-cutting grand opening for Dutch Brothers uh, today at yeah. 11 a.m. Tim's packing uh, up. He's leaving already. He, look at that. There goes Tim. He say coffee? I said, uh, <laughs> there it goes. So, yeah. Yeah, but you mentioned uh, south of the city because I would imagine that the bridge, right, the, 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 the bridge project by itself would, would likely uh, create a domino effect, right, investment, uh, logistics, warehousing, uh, other oh, types yeah. of support businesses. Yes, yeah. Yes, sir. That 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 would be the anchor uh, to bring in a lot of uh, cold storage, dry storage, other other types of uh, uh-huh. of business that way. Our 493 shops over here the same way on the north side. Uh, we've gotten commitments from uh, Cheddar's, from uh, Chick Fil A, uh, Ulta that are coming in already. Uh, they're going to start building uh, pretty soon. All right. Well, congratulations, Mayor. And we look forward to speaking with you in the near future as we continue to grow in, in the area. That's our new mayor for Donna, David Morin. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.